everybody. This is Atkins. And this is Adam. And we're bringing you another episode of the AMP, episode 126 to be exact. And we're covering episodes 133 and 134 of the hit anime My Hero Academia, just in case you just stumbled upon this podcast midstream somehow. Welcome, if that was you, obviously. That'd be wild. We would encourage you to go back and listen to episode one. Uh, we did just recently remaster it, so it should sound pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Listen, I mean, you can listen to both if you want, but there is an, uh, like a re completely re-recorded episode one. We didn't just like move some sliders and dials around to make our first episode one sound better. We were just like, yeah, we're better than that now. So we just redid the whole thing. It was <laughs> something, great. something about podcasting for like five years. Uh, we'll do that. You know, Is it's that crazy. how long it's been? At least for me, I okay. think uh, I think I've got five or six years of experience now. I want to, you know what, dude? We might be like on our fourth anniversary. Now that I'm thinking about, I this. think we're getting close. Yeah, because I think our first episode, our first first episode, came out in March. You know, I've actually got our feed open, so I can tell you very quickly. March. So the the one point one came out March thirty first. So we're like yeah. On our next recording, we'll be absolutely celebrating, what, four years? Four years, 2019. Four years of the AMP. Cool. Wow. Man, that's wild to think about. It we'll is have to crazy. do something big, big for the four-year anniversary. I don't know what. We'll figure it out. <laughs> or, you know, we could just cover 135 or 136. That'd probably be enough. <laughs> given, given that you're, uh, you know, down an arm, in case uh, our listeners don't know yet, because you may or may not be part of the Discord, uh, yeah, it's uh, the next couple of weeks may, may be a little difficult for you to record with notes and everything, huh? Yeah, I'm trying. I know I shared, um, I shared that information both on the Twitter and on Discord. I, I did break an arm over this most recent weekend uh, as we're recording. And I broke it real good. I don't tend to do things halfway. So I have what was called like a Montegia fracture. So I broke my ulna and dislocated uh, my radial bone at the elbow, like in one fell swoop, required hardware. Like I went from 0% titanium to greater than 0% titanium. You're now uh, a, uh, um, a robot or, or a cyborg. I'm getting I'm one step closer than I was on Friday. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, I, I was just doing an ill-advised thing and got away with it just long enough to lower my guard and, and not be as, as self and spatially aware as I should have been. And long story short, I was at the bottom of a zip line um, and some students were coming down it at tremendous speed. Uh, and I just happened to be just within range of, of a leg when they were sticking out and clipped my arm and by clipped, I mean like it did almost destroyed it. Um, but better my arm than my face. So yeah, no, no joke. We are very happy. You're still here. Uh, you know, casted arm and all. Yeah. It's going to make note taking difficult, but I did send you the, the video just to get your reaction to the actual like moment of impact. Uh, a, a, an adult that was on the trip was videoing me or was videoing the students coming down at me and just stopped the video right as the impact hits. But if you watch it, Adam, uh, you can, we'll, we'll leave your audible response into the episode just for kicks and gigs. Okay, yeah, sure. So uh, I've got it pulled up here, and it's about 14 seconds long. I'm staring at what appears to be like a point of view of uh, some stairs, and there's like an obstacle at the, the top, like a little area for, for, for folks to zip line down. Giant zip line tower. I don't remember how many feet or stories. Oh, it sounds it like is, there are all these people small. having fun. Oh, no. Oh, this is not good. Oh, my God. They are going fast. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Dang. Oh, God. <laughs> this ends, too. Like, it cuts right as you get hit. So you're mid-air 
and it cuts. I can see you. You did you go unconscious? No, no. Wow. Uh, I, and I'm I never shocked. fully left the ground, but it came close. I basically did really? this like, yeah, this like forty-five degree angled yeah, ballerina yeah. spin on one foot. Um, did, did you hit the? You had to have hit the ground. Oh yeah, I went yeah, down. You had to sure. go down. Yeah, dang, you could hear the like funk. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it was. So like in order of things that mattered to me in that particular moment was I need to find my glasses because I drove kids here. We leave the next day and if they're broken and I don't have my contacts or backups, I've got to figure that problem out. So I found my glasses first. They were fine. Then I found the foam. And then I just happened to look down at my left arm uh, and it did not look right. It wasn't like broken in like a weird Z, you know, like you've seen like crazy, like d- multiple fractures or whatever on a single yeah. bone, nothing like that. But it was definitely like, that's definitely how my wife's arm was. Like when, when she broke it earlier last year, I guess late last year, uh, it was like a U bend in her arm. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Mine, um, I was, I grabbed it by the wrist and was like pulling on it and things were moving around and then I could like squeeze my forearm and feel like things overlapping in there. Wow. So I ended up like calling my buddy who's an EMT um, and who lives at that camp. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. And I was just like, hey, I'm pretty sure I broke my arm. You want to come like, give me a professional opinion? And he ended up driving me to the hospital and they tried to manually traction the joint back into place. Uh, that didn't work. Uh, so they were like, yeah, this is going to need surgery. And I was like, well, I don't live here. So I'm going to schedule it for, you know, home. And a couple phone calls later um, to some church members. Uh, and they were like, yeah, you got surgery scheduled Monday. Let's let's get it done. I was like, sweet. So, Dang, and it's man. all covered under workman's comp. That was the other like oh, wow. immediate concern was yeah. like, <laughs> uh, I just finished paying off a medical bill. I don't need another one. Uh, but yeah, it's it's all workman's comp because I was on a work uh, a work, work obligation. Trip. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's going to cost me nothing. It's just a massive inconvenience. I never once, and this is the peop- this is the part that has freaked a lot of people out. Never once during this entire time have I experienced anything that I would consider pain. It's just been like discomfort at best. That um, is wild. Only, yeah. I have an extremely high pain tolerance. Um, so that works in my favor, I guess, for things like this. But like, I mean, I stopped taking the opioids really quickly because I was like, I don't need them. Like, I don't feel anything. I keep taking wow. the anti-inflammatory. Um but yeah, the, the most pain that I had in the entire process was when one of my parents' dogs, like the day of the surgery, like 20 minutes before I left to go and get the operation. So the bones were still broken and floating around. She jumped onto my arm and then launched off of it. Ow. Yeah. And that, that made me yelp. But to be <laughs> fair, like if that dog was going to do that, it chose the perfect time because you know if you had come home from the surgery and the dog had done that and then you would have had to get more surgery done it's likely the dog wouldn't be around anymore (laughs) that could be true so it's funny like um it's shocked a lot of my students like both present and former that that i got injured at all like i guess in their their brain map of what constitutes Mike Atkins is that he's invulnerable to things like this. Yeah, no, to be fair, when you messaged me and told me you broke your arm, I was like, oh, he's got to be pulling my leg. Atkins doesn't break his arm. Like, that <laughs> yeah, just didn't make sense. I was like, it's not possible. <laughs> yeah, so uh, so that, that's that been really funny. But, the, the, but they're all asking me, well, how did it happen? And I have to, like, 
breathe out this sigh where it's just like, it's not even a good story. I did a stupid thing and I paid a stupid tax. Like, that's what it was. I got poor kicked girl by a kid was, on a zipline. Uh, that was ziplining, though. Like, she has to feel horrible, I bet. She was fine. Like, I was more concerned oh, so about her than me. <laughs> no, no, no. She was she was very sensitive, but I wanted to make sure that she understood that it was n- nothing about this was her fault. Sure. Um, in fact, yeah. <laughs> after looking at the video a bunch of times when I was in the emergency room initially, I went back to her and was just like, you might have actually kept this from being worse um, because she, at the last second, it looks like she's picking her legs up to maybe try to get them over my head. To like um, pivot but, over you, yeah. Yeah, yeah but right, that, she does. But that movement brought that brought her into my line of vision where I, where I could react quickly enough to protect my face. Otherwise, it might have been ribs that were broken or I could have been kicked closer to the heart, which could have done on, you know, all sorts of weird oh, damage. Oh, yeah. um, What's really wild too is that like halfway down she rotates 180 and that's the only reason she hits you at yep. all. Otherwise, you wouldn't she would yep. have missed you by I mean easily like half a foot if not more from what I can tell. Oh yeah, a lot more than that. Yeah, it's yeah. it's wild. It was just one of those freak, freak accident accidents, things, yeah. but I was at primary fault just for having to been somewhere that I really honestly shouldn't have been, but I was doing it for the gram, man, and I got really good pictures out of it. I said <laughs> Those pictures of those girls going down that zip line to their parents, and they were like, man, these pictures are really good. I was like, I don't know that I would like, if I had known it was going to cost me a broken arm, would I still have taken these photos? No. Um, but they were still pretty good pics. But yeah, yeah the, describing this injury to people is not as fun as like telling them about the time that I got attacked by a fox, which I, it, apparently in the Discord I was asking around. I know I've teased that story on the AMP, but I apparently have never told it on the AMP, maybe. Yeah, I feel like I know I've heard you tease it a lot, and I swear that there's another story where you you told me you got lost on like Machu Picchu that you claim isn't you, but that's that's neither here nor there. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But so now I feel like you have to tell us the Fox story because you've, you've, you've like put it up on this pedestal, especially in comparison to breaking your arm. Well, yeah, it kicks the crap out of this story for sure. Um, so I'll give you the short version of it. Um, I was going to preach that morning at, at my church. So I was in long pants. This becomes relevant later on. Normally, I don't wear panted anything. Like, I'm shorts all the time. Yeah, you're a shorts kind of guy. Like, zero degrees outside, you're wearing shorts. Yeah, yeah, that's me. So I had on pants and was leaving my apartment complex at the time. And when I was walking to my car, um, a a fox, like a full-grown fox, shot out of the bushes that were up against my building and, and was like running at my ankles. I was on the sidewalk immediately adjacent to these bushes. It was running at my ankles with its mouth open, ready to bite. And so I reacted. I jumped up into the straight up into the air. Um, and when I came down, my right ankle came down on concrete, um, but my left ankle came down like half on the fox. So it rolled and I ended up like d- obliterating it. Like it was a loud snap. Oh, I, I actually, thought you were talking about the fox. <laughs> no, I'll get to the fox in a second. But my ankle was, I mean, destroyed. Oh, um, no. I wish that I had broken it. Instead, what I did was destroy every fiber and sinew and muscle in that foot. Um, which is a much more difficult injury to bounce back really quickly from. Yeah, All the okay. doctors were like, yeah, you're going to wish that you had actually just broken something instead of destroyed all this tissue. But anyway... So I come down, um, I end up kind of on my butt, but I bounce back up, very aware of the fact that my left ankle is not reliable anymore, but the fox is still there. Like it, it didn't like move on. It was standing in the sidewalk looking at me and I, 
And I'm like in this standoff with this fox. And it's making all these crazy ass sounds that apparently nobody in my apartment complex could hear. They didn't hear any of the noises until the gunshots started happening. Oh, no. Um, so this fox comes at me, uh, running straight at me. So now we're face to face. He's running straight at me instead of sideways. And so I just do the best I can. I plant on my destroyed ankle and just punt this thing as hard as I can. I mean, I kick it as hard as I possibly can. Send this thing flipping like head over tail, cycloning through the air. It clears like one of those handicap parking signs. So (laughs) it's like six, eight feet in the air, lands, gets back up, comes at me again. So I was like, well, I guess I'm just going to keep doing this until it stops coming. So I kick it again. And this time uh, it lands kind of over near where the the building was. And so I, I was like, I, well, I, now I've got options like this, something's wrong with this Fox. And so I was like, I got a gun like inside, I can go shoot this thing. But if I do that, then like, I'm gonna have to, st- I'm gonna have to fill out paperwork for discharging a firearm near a residential area. So I called the courtesy officer for the apartment complex. And while I'm doing that, I'm walking, I'm limping my way to the other side of my car. And so I've got 20 feet of sidewalk, uh, and my vehicle between this fox and me. And so I'm on the phone with this courtesy officer. I'm trying to get him to understand what's going on. I'm like, I got attacked by a fox. It's not, I don't think <laughs> this it's call, dead. This call on the other end has to sound insane. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, it took so much convincing. And I was like, dude, I don't want to leave this fox just laying here. We got kids, you know? Yeah, like the other said, people could I, get hurt here. Yeah, so I was like, I got to get to the church. And so like in the middle of me t- trying to get him convince him of what's gone on it gets back up stands back up remember like 20 30 feet down the sidewalk and on the opposite side of a vehicle from me so it has to go out of its way to get towards where i am and it freaking does so i'm on the phone with this cop and i'm like it just stood back up and there's like a two or three second pause and i'm like it's coming at me again and so like instead of doing like a sensible thing like i don't know jumping on my vehicle or into my vehicle i'm a stand my ground kind of guy i'm not I'm I'm a fighter, not a flighter is just how I've always been. And so now this thing is under my feet. I'm on the phone with this police officer and I'm stomping on this thing to the best of my ability, trying so hard not to get bit because in my head, I was like, if I get bit, that's going to mean rabies shots. Right. And in my head, those things suck because they happen in your belly. I don't think that that's the thing anymore. Oh, but I didn't I'm just, know that. I'm like cotton eye joeing this thing to death. I mean, <laughs> stomping with everything that I've got, trying not to get bit. I finally get it where I kick it again, and it goes like skidding across this, uh, the parking lot like a hockey puck. And, and there's, comes to a, there's some dude on the other end of your phone call like hearing all of this. Yeah, he he's, <laughs> apparently he went and got into his car. So now at this point, I'm exhausted, my shirt's untucked, and I'm sitting down in the parking lot, and this fox is unconscious again up underneath a car. And you've got to be, like, covered in blood. No, I never, I never was injured at all, like, from, like, no breaking of skin at all. Um, oh, wow. And the fox apparently fared well enough, as we'll see in just a second. So I'm sitting there waiting for this police to show up. He's in the complex, so it couldn't have taken long. But I'm also like, if that thing stands back up between now and somebody getting here to do something about it, it's going to take me. Like, I am I have no more defense left in me. Um, but finally, the cop shows up, and his girlfriend gets out of the freaking passenger side uh, of his police vehicle. And, like, she was like, she gets out, and she was like, you got attacked by a fox? And I was like, yeah, it's right there. She's <laughs> like, I didn't... 
I didn't believe what he was saying. I had to come see for myself. So that was part of the reason why he was so slow is his girlfriend had the right shotgun to come up over there. So he gets out of the car and I point out to where the fox is. And I said, if that thing has an intact bone in its body, it will be a miracle because I have fought it with everything that I've got for the last like three or four minutes. And um, he pulls out his gun or no, he goes, he goes to the back and tries to get one of them capture poles, you know, the pole with like a noose on the end for wild animals. Right. And he's use he tries to use that first. And when he gets close to that vehicle, that fox stands back up. And again, like I had already resigned myself. I was just like, whatever, I ain't moving. This this police is just gonna have to handle business from here. And it starts walking, like limping its way out from underneath that car. Oh and my that gosh. Guy, to his credit, he he said, and I'm this is a direct quote. He said, Nope. And he, <laughs> <laughs> he pulled his gun out. And he shot that thing six times before it stopped advancing on him. Oh, my gosh. Point blank range. I mean, his gun, the muzzle of his gun was touching the muzzle of that fox. I mean, it was just destroying this thing. And so then I had to call my boss and try to explain to him why I might not be able to be up on stage at all, let alone make it there in time. The police finally gives me permission to just leave. Um, But yeah, I, I should send you, I can't, I'm not, I don't have... I don't have this picture in front of me, but I'm not a, I'm not a big guy. I'm I'm pretty wiry dude. And when I tell you that my foot looked like it belonged to a 400 pound man because of all the swelling um, and just the discoloration, I'm telling you, it's the worst injury I've ever, ever sustained, but also the coolest story that I have of just (laughs) going toe to toe with this fox, knowing full well that like it was me or him. Dude, what'd Um, you do to this poor fox? I mean, I, no, well, it just attacked you. Did it have rabies? Did you end up finding yeah, out? They that was my suspicion because when they were like, "Well, did you do something to it?" I was like, "No, I just walked by where it was sleeping or something." I was like, <laughs> "It came out of that bush, man. If if maybe it's got babies, I don't know." But they never found any babies, um, and they said that they had to by procedure or whatever tested for rabies. But I never heard anything back because I I had them go over me and I didn't have any broken skin, not by claw or tooth. And they were like, you were lucky. And I was like, no, I was determined. I wasn't getting shots in my <laughs> stomach because some random fox comes out of the bushes and wants to pick a fight. Like it was, I wasn't going to let him do that if it at, at all was within my power. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, the fox story is, is legendary. And uh, in, in these here parts in my hometown, I mean, I told it as a part of the sermon that morning. Uh, and then occasionally people ask me to tell and it, and I, you know, embellish here and there when I tell the much longer version of it. But, uh, the, yeah, the long story short is this Fox tried me like he, uh, he effed around and found out, you know, to <laughs> use that like popular meme language yeah. going around right now. Yeah. Dang, man. That's nuts. That's, I really wish that there was a uh, security camera footage of this event. That would have been hilarious. This, this would have absolutely because... been viral. You know what I mean? Yeah. The the other thing I, re- I remember saying was like, I told you that nobody seemed to be aware of what was going on until the gunshot started. Yeah. And at that point, everybody in the neighboring apartments came out. And I was like, where were you two minutes ago when I was screaming <laughs> and trying to fight off this fox that was making all of its own noises that are unusual? Like, who was not peeking through the blinds to figure out what's going on in this cacophonous exchange in the parking lot oh they saw they just realized that that fox couldn't get to them he was too busy they like, with you yeah, they can that fox can have that white yeah. boy those um, guns those bullets <laughs> though they could go through doors and things like you know they didn't <laughs> they weren't about to, to mess with that so man that's yeah, funny well, Jeez. nobody else in that apartment complex messed with me ever um 
And I still, to this day, if somebody sees a fox in their yard, I get, I get text messages and phone calls to come oh, take care of hilarious. things. that's <laughs> hilarious. Nice. Yeah, so that, that injury is, that story is so much more fun to tell <laughs> than I got kicked by a kid on a zip line. It's so not fun at all. But <laughs> anyway, you'll get one more Atkins story about midway through this episode. But what do you say we jump into episode 133, which was called Hired Gun? We've, we've uh, spent 20 minutes just talking say, about <laughs> my injuries. <laughs> 20 minutes in and we're ready to talk my hero. I hope you all have been yeah. drinking with us. <laughs> Our listeners will deal. Oh, well, let's get started. Yeah, Hired Gun. It was a... Uh, really, really good episode. Both of these episodes, in fact, are like really, really fast paced. I felt like uh, there's good storytelling and a lot of info dump, but there's a lot of action in these two episodes, too. And uh, this one opens with Gran Torino pretty much reiterating a lot of what we've seen before with him telling Deku that he should have been the one to kill like him, quote unquote, Shigaraki. And and he's handing over his scarf and telling Deku, like, you know, sometimes the only way to save someone is by killing them. And uh, Deku is leaving the hospital and explaining that he's teaming up with uh, the top three heroes. We've got All Might, Best Genist, and Hawks, and Endeavor as well. So, And then we uh, cut to our intro, and afterwards we get this, uh, I mean, definitely more social commentary from Horikoshi, which is, oh, yeah. you know, his thing. I think I've, I've, we've, we've kind of come to realize, but there's a woman running through, like, this town, and it's pouring rain, and there was a bunch of civilians chasing her down, kind of, and they're, uh, they're shooting her with these, like, water blasts from a support item, and uh, it's it's kind of crazy. She's got one of the, uh, I'm going to say anamorphic. I know that's not the correct Heteromorph. Term. Thank you. The heteromorph uh, quirks where she's taller than the average humor. She's got pink skin humor she's she's taller than the average human has pink skin and like bunny rabbit ears she's kind of like bunny-esque in general or like i would actually ironically enough i identified her as a foxy lady a foxy lady yeah yeah foxy bunny something like that she's definitely definitely uh some 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 variation of that um but uh, these civilians think she's a villain, and so you know they're they're scared because it's nighttime, it's raining, and this is definitely when villains would attack. And they're like, "Look, what are you doing out late? You know, like, you know, you're clearly after us or something." And she's very scared. It's very clear she's crying, she's running, and uh, right as they're about to like actually, I don't want to say like pull a finishing blow on her or anything like that, but they're definitely about to injure her with these uh, these support items. Deku rushes in and puts a stop to it, and is like, "Look at her! Like, she's showing no signs." of villainous activity there's no reason you guys should be attacking her you're just scared like let me handle this let me take care of it you guys need to leave and uh, so they do they they lower their weapons and she runs off and they say something that's like well what sh- she shouldn't even be out here dressed like that anyways uh, yeah god that line i just have whoa triggerish written yeah. down in my notes because she's uh she's fully clothed in long sleeves and pants, like Deku looks more like a threat in the night than she does. He's the confusingly dressed one, not her. Yeah, yeah. It definitely felt like a forced comment. And I was curious what the translation was there for you, or if there was any, like, if there was going to be anything different in the English version, because it just felt, I don't know, it felt forced. Do you know what I mean? The the anime does say it's her fault for walking around dressed like that at night. In the manga, the phrasing is slightly different. It, they say she shouldn't wander around in the dark looking like that. See, that makes means- a little bit more sense because she doesn't look like a normal human. So I can at least understand that. But but the dress like that comment didn't fit. I didn't feel like because she just had like jeans or sh- like it was just like a normal outfit. 
Yeah, she doesn't um, she doesn't go named, but Horikoshi in an interview referred to her as Ipon Jose. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that, but it just means in Japanese average woman, which I was like, <laughs> in what way? <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> uh, unless the commentary is, again, like average women get comments like you shouldn't dress like that leveled at them oh, as I'm sure like, they do. You yeah. know, placing fault for illicit male advances on, you know, like I, if that's what the commentary is, but it's gotta be, yeah, there's Deku no way retrieves her that. fallen umbrella. <laughs> yeah. Um, and she's so tall that he has to actually use float to like reach up and talk to take her, take the umbrella up over, like uh, get it back over her head when she's standing uh, erect. In fact, like in the manga, she's like easily twice his height is what it looks like. I don't know that the height disparity was that exaggerated in the anime but she explains that she was just slow to evacuate because this city didn't seem to change a whole bunch but then things got out of hand real quick so she was trying to make her way to um one of the uh one of the shelters basically uh one of the schools that's been converted into a shelter so um she asked Deku at some point will it ever go back to uh how things were before and he says I'll make it go back uh I'll make it so is how he says it in the manga and at this point All Might drives up Deku it's just like, hey, get her to a shelter, and he goes to rush back off, but All Might gives him a little like a to-go meal um, of some pork cutlets before he's able to uh, bounce back off into the night. Yeah, and then uh, Banjo kind of surfaces, and he's telling Deku that like with the devastation he's seeing around and the way that the city looks, it's like they've gone back in time to kind of like when Quirks first appeared, and and things turned to chaos pretty quickly, and. And uh, they're kind of explaining Deku is like saying that like they're they still don't really know where anyone is that escaped all of these prisons. They're dealing with kind of these like onesie twosie jailbreakers, at least the police are, but they've not found any of the big villains, uh, you know, outside of muscular, I suppose. And then in this episode, we're going to see Lady Nagant, but all for one and kind of like the primary league of villains and all of the previous leaders, no information on any of them. And he's kind of reflecting on Shigaraki's strength, and he's realizing that in order for him to actually fight off Shigaraki, he's going to have to completely unlock one for all. Because with Endeavor and all of these other heroes right by his side, Shigaraki still decimated the team. Like, they barely stood a chance. So he's realizing he's still got a lot of work to do, but just not the time to do it. Yeah, we return to the conversation with the vestiges where the first user is trying to encourage the two in timeout to start playing ball. And Banjo's just like, hey, in the meantime, practice with all the quirks that you do have access to yeah. so that you can grow familiar with them such that in the event or when these guys uh, open up access to their quirks, then you'll have um, you'll already have a lot more familiarity um, or uh, parallel processing capability to use the terminology that shows up in the in the show um, with those powers. So you might be a little bit more prepared, but. Uh, we, we get a little bit of insight into uh, these two users, too. I know that you had questions about them in our last episode, and I said, you won't have to wait long. Yeah, um, so you're here, right, literally the next episode. <laughs> yeah, isn't that how it always in goes? In AMP fashion. In AMP. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so they one of them explains that they lived during the cruelest era, during the height of All for One's physical prowess, where he single-mindedly spread his control, and those under his control were unaware that they were even being controlled. He says, our leader was worried about the future, and in order to overcome All for One's control... Uh, he led a group to just fight him. And he looks at the first user and he says, you were there too, so you should have seen it. He says, in order to get to your brother, we had to use many lives as stepping stones. In the end, all that mattered was winning or losing, living or dying. So now we're supposed to leave it to some crazy illusion who says he wants to save that person that we were throwing countless lives at in order to kill? 
Um, and he's just trying to wrap his mind around the disparity in approaches to all for one um, that Midoriya is is displaying and what he and um, his his fellow time out did user um, experienced in their lifetime. Yeah. Did we even get their names in either of these two episodes? I know we get one of their quirk names. We don't get both, I'm pretty sure. I don't think we got either of their names, though. I can't remember. I'm terrible with the vestige names. Uh, I know, but you normally are the one that does capture them. So if you didn't get them, I feel like we definitely didn't see them. Yeah, it's actually really interesting because the first ends up saying something along the lines of like, well, you know, if that's the case, if you really aren't willing to try something different, then why didn't you just kill me? Like, you were there. You guys reached your hands out to me. You saved me. If you believe me back then, you need to believe in me now, you know, and, and the that person, that individual says like, okay, well, do you really think that it can end with Deku? And the first one is like, yes, you know, the origin of one for all was my desire to not yield to my brother. But because you reached out to your hand, but because you reached your hand out to me, one for all began. And then he says they, you know, basically, and then both of them basically turn around and are like, okay, yeah, I guess, I guess we'll do it. Like if they yes. just buy in. <laughs> so the first user basically makes the argument of like, you reach your hand out to me knowing my ties to all for one, you know, of like it. So you reaching your hand out, if you hadn't done that, none of this would have begun. Like that yeah. was where all for one really came into its being to be this giant counter to all for one. Man, if this guy had just killed the first, none of this would be happening. Yeah. I mean, that was, and that was a, potential i guess or at least to leave him locked up or keep the vestiges and the quirks separate um i'm not sure exactly some of this goes not very well explained um but the way that things worked out like the first argument is basically like well you know you knew my ties to offer one and you were willing to work with me yeah so let's you know i yeah i get that you're you're struggling with the way that midoriya is trying to approach this situation but I think that the Nagant goes through a similar thing with Deku. Like, it seems like your previous actions indicate a willingness to do the very thing that you're saying that you're not willing to do is basically kind of what uh, the first user is is arguing here with uh, with these two. Well, we end this little trip to the vestige realm with the statement that in order to beat one for all, all that we've collected, we have to gather it right here and release it all. And there's this awesome shot of Deku flanked by the multicolored vestiges. Yeah, it's really uh, and cool. The, the statement that we're accelerating now, which is really cool. And then we catch up with uh, Endeavor dealing with someone firing a nail gun support weapon at him. Yeah. And I love his response to this. He's just casually leaned up against like a pillar. Like he's in cover. I mean, arms crossed. I, I mean, he, he could well have like had the soles of one of his feet up on the pillar as casual as he was, like <laughs> being like super under casual. fire. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he's just like, he curses Detnerat for making these support devices. Um, Hawks and Best Genius roll up um, on a couple of them fleeing that same scene, and then Endeavor throws a fire arrow at the nail guy man, uh, the nail gun man, rather. And this guy's response is really interesting because he straight up says, like, you're the reason that we're even out endeavor. Like yeah. you're, you're the reason why 
that all of this is taking place. It's all your fault. And Endeavor's just like, yep, all right, come on. <laughs> yeah, that's why he says, that's why I'm here. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's my fault. This is my responsibility to clean up. Yes, you're right. Let's let's get this done. Right. Uh, we. This is our first shot, too, of Hawks's, like, tiny, tiny recuperating. Wings. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> his tiny wings. <laughs> I asked in the Discord at some point, how much do you think tiny Hawks wings go for on the black market? Oh, and how dang. do they taste? I want to know how um, much uh, he weighed. Like, what was his weight difference, full wing to tiny wing? Ooh, that's a good question, because wings don't generally weigh very much. They shouldn't, right? Because, like, yeah. Uh, Before we get too much further, too, I wanted to back up on something you mentioned there. Uh, When all of the users talk about how, like, they're now accelerating, I thought that was really cool word usage in the sense that we also now know that Deku's body is accelerating. Like, he's aging faster. Every time they unlock more Mm. users, he is literally accelerating. Like, his life force is being drained. I'm, 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 I just, I don't know. I thought that was kind of a, a neat way to phrase that because it's sort of a double entendre. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't pick up on that connection. So that's a, that's a good, a good catch. Um, they probably didn't mean it that way. <laughs> well, hey, we're, we're free to make whatever connections we that's want. Right, to. That's this right. That's right. Our show. High school They're English teacher. I'm finally doing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look at me, Mrs. Smith. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> So uh, the the top three, they're bemoaning their lack of information. Um, some picketers casually just assault them. Yeah. They walk up <laughs> and start vi- like verbally berating them, saying things like, if you'd caught Shigaraki uh, and, th- and you didn't let any of them escape, th- escape, then the jailbreakers wouldn't be here. Give us back our town and our lives. They're like throwing poles. Um, did you like see that the... All kinds of stuff at them. Yeah, Best Genus, there's a really cool scene in the anime. It's better animated. It's better done in the anime. It's hard to tell in the manga, but he keeps all the thrown debris from reaching the heroes with uh, threads yeah. from his suit. Yeah. Um, just to rest them in midair. But I mean, they're, they're even asking things like, did you see that the families that those Dobbies burned were on TV and oh my that gosh, your son did this? And yeah. like, the very things that they're asking for are the exact things that Endeavor and Hawks and Best Genus are trying to deliver to them. But there's been so much distrust um that has been sown and trust in uh like public facing heroes oh, is yeah. a major theme in these two episodes well, in particular well i mean the civilians like, yeah. keep throwing it out because even one of the civilians is like throwing out conspiracies like you know i heard on the news that you guys aren't even telling us the truth still that like it's not just you three that there are other people out there doing things and you're not telling us about that either yeah but when they say things like give us back our town and our lives that is, like, I mean, that is kind of what they're trying to do. Yeah, yeah. Like what, what is your, what is their opinion on how best to do that for them not to be there? And for those jailbreakers and other detonate armed, uh, you know, ne'er-do-wells to, to do what they want to unchecked. Like there's no thought. But, I mean, it's, it's all emotion the, uh, on their side. It's that's literally like you're defining a mob. <laughs> that's like an irrational yeah. group of people. Right. I mean, and this that's is true. what it is. It's a massive group of people that, are probably the same folks that were looking to those heroes to tell them like, oh no, none of that stuff's true. You know, we're going to save you. This is going to be okay. And instead what they got was their number one hero being like, yeah, my son's an evil villain that kills people. And I'm the reason he's like that. Oh, and by the way, I also beat my wife and all these other horrible things. Like their world has been shattered and their sense of community and world has been shattered. And I think, you know, those people are saying like, give us back our town, give us back our world. It's, it's not necessarily even the like, Hey, fix the infrastructure. It's the, give us back what we had a week ago when we trusted you guys and things were better. Things were okay. I'll address this more fully in the next episode because Nagant is arguing about the public facing versus the secret side of heroism in that system. And 
like I get into like I I don't do this very often, but in my notes, I go on a little like I'm like this is all side note ranty stuff, and and have like some some material that addresses some of this. So we'll circle back yeah, around. I, I have some some ironic points that Nagat makes too in my notes for next episode. So I'm excited to get there. I think you and I are likely end up agreeing on a handful of things. Yeah. Well, Hawks checks in with Edshot, who's still investigating the Paranormal Liberation Front, but isn't making any progress. Um, he asks if. Uh, Hawks does if if they should distance themselves even further from All Might and Midoriya for their sakes and they're just like Endeavor I think is saying we can't make Deku Bear even more of a burden than he already is even if this is exactly what he wants which it is the adults are going along with it for now um, we're using one for all as a bait to draw out the league and, and the jailbreakers appear to be under some type of order from the league and they're trying to figure out what all for one is exactly doing. They're like, at the same time, it would be the most logical, especially given the current lack of heroes and the exhaustion of the, the, the few that remain for him to go ahead and go on the offensive. Um, but there's some discussion around the fact of uh, that, uh, that Deku pointed out that all for one is probably prioritizing taking over Shigaraki's body. We know that he was popped out of his little back to pod incomplete. And so maybe that, that uh, percentage needs to go up in order for all for one to, to complete that task. And then, and then it cascades after that, but that seems to be his priority. Yeah. And he basically like Endeavor is saying that he thinks that once all for one finally takes over Shigaraki, he's just going to do anything he can to actually steal one for all. And then this is where Hawks is kind of arguing that point. He's like, well, I don't really know that I agree with that or understand why Shigaraki's even needed in this. And Best Genus goes on to be like, well, it seems like there's something happening here with All for One and One for All where the the minds inside of One for All have to be toppled with more minds effectively. So there's eight folks inside of One for All. They need more emotions to to overpower that. And even Hawks is like, well, you know, the thing is, is I'm not really sure that that One all I'm not really sure that All for One could do this on his own because I'm not sure that he has any hate. You know, he's talking about how like it would make sense that with with his brother evading him for all these generations and then All Might literally pummeling All for One basically into the ground almost out of existence that he should have enough hate built up to be able to do it on his own. So why hasn't he been able to? And he's kind of like socially analyzing him and coming to the realization that he doesn't think that All for One really feels much of anything. It's just kind of his impression of him like every time he's seen him or interacted with him the guy's laughing. And Best Genius is just like, well, either way, the villains aren't acting, which means they must also have kind of a lack of information as what's going on. Or like you mentioned, they're under some kind of an order to wait for something. And then he makes a really stupid him joke about like, oh, there's... I didn't even write it down. <laughs> I don't even remember it. I just wrote dumb him joke from <laughs> BJ. <laughs> I don't... Uh, I gloss over those to the best of my ability. Yeah. I'm over them. But then when he transfer back over to All Might, who is thinking about Night Eye and kind of the, the situation he's found himself in. And uh, we see Deku up on top of this building he pulls out his cell phone and he's about to call somebody uh in my notes I put Deku goes to call AMP I don't know why I wrote that <laughs> <laughs> probably AM and yeah. I wonder if it auto corrected either that yeah, or I just I kept tell. typing <laughs> I know all for uh all might is is kind of tracking Midoriya um, yeah and so are the other like teams. find my iPhone or life 360 or whatever yeah 
and I, I couldn't tell if Midoriya was going to call him or if he was calling Midoriya, but Midoriya does go to answer a check on his phone, but it shot out of his hand, uh, and, and simultaneously a grenade hits All Might's car. Yeah, and then GPS and, signals start freaking out inside of the uh, car with Endeavor, best genus, the best genus mobile. <laughs> yeah, um, he has a name for it. That's Is right, he does, he does. He calls it something, Hercules, Hercules, that's what he calls it in, in a, later maybe in the next episode. Or maybe in... Was it a, a couple episode. of was it a couple of episodes before? Because I've no, not seen uh, past this, have you? Because I know right now yeah. there are a few episodes out. Yeah, I've seen the next two. So he does call it. He does refer to the car as Hercules at some point. Gotcha. Um, anyway, um, Midoriya's phone gets shot out, and it's by a bullet that has a microphone built into it. I still to this like even now I don't know if she's capable of making those or if she has like a pocket full of these those little, little microphone things yeah because like <laughs> yeah. we see her pull her hair several times to generate the like bullets because it's explained her two various hair colors can be mixed together to form an epoxy like resin that hardens but she seems to implant little speakers in them so she can talk to deku however yeah. never once are we given any scene where she plants said speaker into said hair so right yeah <laughs> i will say though that that is a really creative way like one of the things that i struggle with sometimes in these anime and like this my hero might not even be the worst offender in fact there's an example in the next episode where they do it really well but there's an an excessive amount of license taken for what can be heard and from how far away during a during the middle of a steeped battle at like regular speaking voice levels that drives me crazy yeah and in this they're like she's three kilometers away maybe like she they don't need to be speaking casually and able to under be able to understand one another so this at least works around that um which i i did enjoy and so she she says boy in green i'm taking you with me don't move and i'll let you keep your limbs and then deku realizes that they finally got a jailbreaker with ties to all for one um and he's reminded of this conversation that he had with hawks where um hawks explains that like the best option is for the villains right now is to take you alive because they don't have a, the way of like sustaining your quirk in any of the like garaki facilities anymore right. so most of these jailbreakers aren't going to be able to do that but there is this one who's at tartarus and she could do it and he was like she's she's in the same line of work as me we're looking for her but if she gets to you first you need to run away as fast as you can like Think about how bone chilling that that would have been to hear from Hawks. Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. And she's so she's got this quirk. It's called rifle. We learn more about it later, but she's able to kind of bend her uh, right arm backwards so that her elbow points forward and a long rifle uh, projects out of it. She can feed her epoxy hair bullets uh, into her palm uh, to load. She's even able to fashion um, a uh, like a, a, a long scope or sight that she's able to use out of her flesh. It's very, very cool. Her quirk. design is uh, and, so badass. Like everything yeah, about yeah. Nagant is so cool. <laughs> she's, she's, she's even like, we're going to hear snipe talk about her, uh, in just a second as well. Yeah. But I love this. This scene reminds me of a, um, a moment in the first blade movie. Um, have you seen it? Oh, blade, I love the blade. first one. I love the blade. Okay. Movies. It's yeah. great. Yeah. They're great. So Midoriya turns to look at her after being told, don't move or I'm going to shoot you. Yeah. Um, so he turns to look at her and Nagant just says, you moved, didn't you? And it reminded me. So she immediately starts opening fire, uh, presumably to take out his limbs, because that's what she said she was going to do. And there's a scene in the first Blade movie where they're they're like at a vampire library 
and the the one lady is given like a UV light to shine on this like massively obese female vampire, I think. And Blade is like, if she moves, light her up. And she like this thing like blinks an eye or something, and this lady just <laughs> lights her up. She and she just looks over at this thing. It's like charred from this light, and she goes, what? He, she moved." She like that's awesome. <laughs> Casually, yeah. you told I did what you told me to. Yeah. Um, I was gonna so ask dangerous- you. Does do you know uh, is her hair a support item or is that did she just get super no. lucky and have a badass quirk? Yeah, she her quirk is freaking dope. <laughs> yeah, no, it she's, is. We Dang. don't, to my knowledge, we aren't we aren't shown anything that resembles a support item that she actually uses. Okay, I didn't think so. They make it sound like when when uh, uh, Snipe is talking about her, he makes it sound like her hair is part of her quirk. But I mean, holy cow, like you you talk about uh, you want to say genetic lottery, the the idea that you happen yeah. to be able to have a sniper rifle in your arm and your hair can make bullets like I, I just feel like that's two quirks in one. Someone cheated there, you know. <laughs> yeah. She's self-sufficient. She really is. Sure. It's incredible until she goes bald, I guess. Yeah, and she does interestingly enough. There is like when she's younger and a hero, she tended to keep her hair longer. Uh but when she kind of um, when she left that particular limelight, she is taken to keeping it shorter. Well, I assume uh, I assume that that one shot with her kind of like got a with a buzz cut was because she was in Tartarus. Hmm. Well, she. I mean, she came out of Tartarus with enough hair to make a bunch of bullets. Well, that's. I don't know how quickly it's. It's not really commented on how quickly her hair is able to grow back. Yeah. Either. Yeah. Like if that's the physical limitation is, yeah, she pulls part of her hair out. And that's a finite resource because it grows at regular. I, it has pace. to grow quickly though, because at no point in time in either of these episodes does she even remotely look like she's lost any hair. And those bullets it, are freaking huge. It would have been funny to see her like starting to get patchwork, some bald patches. Yeah, yeah. it would it would have made more sense uh, personally. Yeah, Midoriya is starting to reflect on the situation. She she broke my comm, but the others are smart and will sort out something is wrong. But I can't tell them who she is, and so if they get here, like they're going to become targets too. And so he's trying to figure out, uh, you know, should I run for now? Like I was told, and she, he, he catches a bullet like that was shot at him. Danger sense is keeping him alive at this at this current distance. Uh, and Nagant is shocked by this. She's like, no wonder All for One wants you. There, there's so much that All for One didn't tell Nagant that I just feel like was dirty play. Um, so so uh, I'll get to that in just a second. But we do get this flashback from Snipe where he's like, yeah, like if it weren't for her, I'd be the best in Japan at the long distance thing because I can hit anything that I can see within 600 meters, but it doesn't really hit really hard, but she can do that with technique and from 3000, yeah. uh, you know, from three kilometers away. Um, so he's like, yeah, she's taking all my business. Her secret is the bullet. She can mold them into any shape she wants. She mixes her hair like an epoxy putty. She can make curving bullets to hollow points. Anything is possible. Uh, and he just says all long distance quirk holders are jealous of her right hand. And Midoriya is still trying to figure out what the extent of her quirk is. Um, can she fire in quick succession? Blah, blah, blah. So he's realizing that without danger sense, he'd already be dead or incapacitated. But he's sorted out where she is. And instead of trying to dodge her bullets while getting out of her range. So if you think about um, uh, like a D&D range thing, you know, if something can, you know, hit you from 30 feet out to 90 feet. Instead of him saying, well, I'll go out to the 100 because I'm, I'm 15 feet away, 
He's just like, I'll just go the, the other way is shorter. Yeah. <laughs> so like, instead of trying to run 2000 or uh, two kilometers away, I'm just going to backtrack that one kilometer closer feeling like the best way to handle a sniper in his own words is to be up close. Which I guess kind of makes sense because it, in a weird roundabout way, if a sniper is focused 100 feet out, which I know that sounds ridiculous, but if they're focused 100 feet out and so your objective is to get super up close, they're going to be looking past you is the hope, right? Yeah, and his his strategy is interesting too because he he admits, I think in the next episode, that at the longer the distance that um, that she's working with, he has more time to react and she has more opportunity to miss right. because she ha- she's basically having to anticipate. But by closing that gap until he fully closes it, she's able to rely more on her reflexes and in, in, intuition and it pulls danger sense out of the like out of the realm of, of aid because things are happening too quickly. So he realizes there's, yeah, yeah, there's a big risk to this. Well, then what's like Um, really amazing. The more and more we talk about Nagant is the fact that she's able to do these things from so far away and it's not her quirk. Like it's just her natural abilities to shoot. Right. She doesn't, she doesn't have a quirk that tracks Deku. She's just really good at it. Like that's what blows my mind about her is that like, sure. Her quirk's really cool, but she's also incredibly talented. It seems like. Yeah, I mean, and she's she's been trained. She's like yeah. spec ops heroes. Yeah. Like I mean, same I mean, thing. She says something later on that like everything that I know how to do is because the heroes commissions taught me how to do it. Yeah, and it's, it's it reminds me a lot of X Force. Uh, like the uh, like yeah, I have that in my notes. Yeah, like the hidden black ops uh, hero, you know, X Men group basically. Yeah, we get um, we we see that Chisaki is still there with her, mumbling on about his pops. Um, and she just kind of st- sticks him in a closet. Yeah, she's like, <laughs> look, man, being. can you just like hang out in here for a little while? I'm busy. <laughs> I'll get to your pops later. <laughs> and we get a flashback to Offer One approaching Nagant while in Tartarus for the favor. And he's just like, there's a certain boy from UA. He'll likely leave the school and start acting on his own. Just bring him to me. And he's probably going to be watched by a bunch of people. So just try to separate him. Maybe wait until it rains. And when she asks why, why me? Um, he says, Offer One says to her, you killed a hero who was your ally. The destruction of heroes, the destruction of hero society that you desire will never occur if that boy is around. He's working with altered info as well because we find out in the next episode that um, she didn't kill. Like the newspaper spun it that she got into an argument with, an, with another hero and killed him, which is what All for One describes, but that's not actually what happened. Yeah. So he's working with the media spin on all this as well, which I thought was interesting. It is interesting. And man, um, did you like in this scene? He towers over her. Yeah, they draw him. He is huge. I often forget how big he is. Like that scene, I was just like, good lord, that guy's huge. Some of that I think is forced perspective just for exaggeration, but he's not a small man. No, I mean, like, him. I totally imagine uh, Kane from WWE, like, just this yeah. huge imposing, either him or like the big show. Like, this is a big guy. And we, we find out that as a kind of an advance or a, a seal on this contract is that he gives her. Another quirk, which is totally a thing that he can do. So he gives her a quirk called Airwalk, which seems to be uh, enable her to kind of move through the air, almost like on platforms, kind of like Gentle Criminal yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it um, kind of reminded me of Nana Shimura's quirk too. Like she's kind of hopping through the air. Yeah, hers is more of the, like hers is actually like a flight, like the float. Yeah. Um, but hers is like, it seems like it's more platformy almost. But uh, that's the end of this episode, this revelation that she does indeed have another quirk. But again... 
the things that Alpha One doesn't tell her, like for instance, hey, this boy that's going to be running around um, that I want you to bring in, he's got a bunch of quirks. He doesn't tell her none of this. She discovers this in this combat because she could, at one point she's like, oh, you have a bunch of quirks too? That's interesting. I've been like, that's mission critical information that you weren't told. Like you should be pissed about that. Yeah, but you're also <laughs> like, assuming that like all for one trusts Nagan 100%. And we also find out in this next episode that others have been given the same objective. It's likely that like knowing all for one, he probably didn't want to give them any additional information. He wants them to like either win or fail because if they fail they're not worth his time anyways but then on top of that with Nagant especially he I mean we're getting ahead of ourselves here but he planted something in that contract in case she backs out on it he was aware that any amount of hope for a different future could easily turn her so of course he wasn't about to tell her who this person was yeah I, I still think that if I were Nagant even if I were successful the one of the first things I would have said to all for one upon delivering this kid was like bro, why didn't you tell me that he could do all these other things? Like, yeah, I could, because that affects her approach to her mission. Like it affects tactics. Yeah. And, and so she's going in not knowing exactly what this kid's quirk is. Initially, she seems to be convinced that it has something to do maybe with, with speed alone. But then he, then she's like, Oh, he's getting faster. And now he can do smoke stuff. What? Yeah. Like she's very yeah. confused. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, but we're we're definitely getting ahead of ourselves here. So into into episode, what is it? One twenty, uh, one thirty four, one thirty four. The lovely lady Nick. Yeah, and uh, I love this opening too. I know you don't always watch the opening, so I like to recap them. Uh, but this is like we're catching up with All Might. He's being attacked. It's that same scene we saw in the last episode, except there's a little bit more here because he like barely escapes this bomb that goes off in the right next to the car. He's crawling out of the wreckage, and the villains actually recognize him. They're like, "Oh my gosh, it's All Might!" Like, what do we do? And one of the villains is like, dude, he's old. Look at him like he's scrawny. We don't have to worry about any of this. And and like in my notes, I, I actually called him Old Might, and I really like that. <laughs> Very interesting. Uh, but uh, All Might is is like approaching them, and he's remembering promising uh, Midoriya's mother, like, hey, I will protect him no matter what. I'll give up my life for him. And as All Might's approaching, like he's not powering up or anything, but these like low key villains are losing their minds. They are so scared of him that they just drop their weapons. <laughs> And totally falter and then we cut to the the intro uh but i just love that because like even even in this super damaged state the these like low-end villains are still terrified of what all might might be able to do to them wow, you know man I, you're underselling this i do watch those i just don't tend to report on them if they don't give us anything new this gave us new it stuff it did and it was so cool i really liked it yeah because what the first one of the two kind of balks when they he realizes that it's all might the other one's like the all might that we know is long dead yeah. so they advance but All Might, in his like Jinko Jeans form, is, like tells them to get out of the way. And he's got a case. I was never able to figure out what exactly was in this case. I guess GPS stuff. Um, but he says uh, that that boy has carried a burden far heavier than mine this whole time, and I made him carry it. And even so, even though that's the case, he's devoted to me. So if something ever happens to him, it'll be because I'm dead. And I love yeah. that line. And, and the way that it's animated is really powerful as well. And that sheer resolve and lack of fear scares that first one who was a little shook at first down to the ground. Like it's his aura is being weaponized here. And I thought that that was really, really cool. Um, we do catch up to Deku zigzagging to avoid the line of fire, even as um, he makes his way towards her. And this is where my other story um, comes into play. 
When I was a teenager, I worked at this place called Laserworks in in Macon. R.I.P. Laserworks at, or in Noonan. It didn't last very long. Is it like a? Because it was like laser tag. Yeah, laser tag arcade. Uh, it was a pretty happening spot if you wanted to fight somebody on a Friday or Saturday night too. <laughs> and uh, so there was a time where I wasn't on the clock, but was taking some friends over there to go and play laser tag. And when I pulled up, there was this giant circle of people and two dudes in the middle getting ready to fight. So I jumped my little like 120 pound behind um, jumps out. This white skinny white kid goes running in the middle of the circle to try to break this up, even though I wasn't responsible for any of it. And we do have paid security at, uh, at Laserworks. I don't know what I was thinking. But when I got into the middle of the crowd, this dude pulls a gun. Oh, dang. And he points it at me. And uh, I didn't do quite like Deku did. Deku is zigzagging whilst approaching the person who has the gun. But in that split second, I thought, all right, if I'm going to get shot, I'm going to get shot by a freaking marksman. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to run, but I'm going to be zigzagging left and right as much as I can. Like if he's going to hit me, it's, I ain't going to get shot by no chump that got lucky. Like he's going to have to work for that, for, for that shot. He never pulled the trigger and they did arrest him like 10 minutes later wow. um, up the street with the gun. But yeah, I remember distinctly having that thought that like, buddy, if I'm going to get shot tonight, it's going to be by somebody who's a good shot. I'm not getting <laughs> shot by some Joe schmuck with a gun. And so on my way running to the laser work store, I remember zigzagging and like making hard stops and stuff to get into the building to tell them to call the police. Um, <laughs> so that was pretty In fun. my mind, the, the way that I'm like seeing this is that like you think you're doing this like in a very, very fast motion. But for everyone else, it was like just watching you run to point A, <laughs> stop and look and then run yeah. to point B, stop and like look. lazily. <laughs> <laughs> making meandering curves but in all honesty not only was i running and zigzagging yeah, everybody, everybody started was. bailing at that yeah. point so I, I probably more uh more than anything i probably just got lost in the chaos of the crowd but that's not how it went in my head and so that's <laughs> that's the narrative that i live my life and you're lucky that day wasn't the day that you had the interaction with the fox yeah i wouldn't have been able to yeah. run that the fox thing wouldn't happen for another like 15 years <laughs> um but uh as long he he's explaining to us um just by way of you know exposition that as long as she doesn't have a way of moving faster than one for all that he'll catch her and he'll be able to ask about uh shigaraki and all for one's whereabouts um his danger sense pings and two uh two bullets are approaching from behind he manages to kick one uh but he gets grazed by the second one he's trying to sort out how in the world she got behind him given that he'd been moving towards her yeah so she's like He's like, is somebody else here? But Danger Sense isn't picking up on anything. Um, and he realizes that it's because All for One has given her this quirk. Um, and there's this scene in the anime. I didn't see it uh, in the manga where it looks like she actually fires behind her to like propel herself some. It's possibly depicted in the manga as I'm looking at the panels now. But it's in the anime, it looks like she fires behind her to give herself a little bit of a boost. Yeah. But she he's he understands that she's trying to catch him alive, but she's shortened the distance between the two of them because he's been dodging. Um, and so he realizes that that bullet that hit him earlier had been curved. And we had a discussion about this in the discord that if you're talking about curving bullets, there's only one franchise that was a comic and then eventually an Angelina Jolie movie called Wanted. Um, and apparently, I think canonically, like possibly in some sort of interview, Horikoshi was just like, yeah, I pulled from that. Um, oh, really? For, wow. <laughs> for some of the inspiration for Nagant. So there you go. Yeah, she's curving bullets like in that movie. Um, who else was in that? Who was the white guy? Who's uh, James McAvoy? Yeah, was also he was like, that was like one of his, uh, oh, gosh, I feel like that might have been one of the first times I remember seeing him in a movie. Because that was so pre-X. Definitely early work yeah, for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So he explains that the closer she is, the more she can rely upon instinct instead of having to predict his movements and the harder it is for Danger Sense to save his behind. So this is where he decides to pop um, smoke screen. And what's cool is, and this might be a fun little bit of um, Dragon Ball trivia for you too, Adam, because in the Jap- in the Japanese, he clearly, when he like hunkers down and releases smoke screen, he says Zenkai in Japanese. Do you remember how that term is utilized in Dragon Ball at all? Zenkai? Mm-hmm. I guess not. I'll take your silence. Yeah, no, no, it's not ringing so, any bells. Like, other than, you know, obviously the Kais and Zen being a thing, but no, not, it's not ringing a specific bell. So, um, in that series, Saiyans are said to be capable of what is called a Zenkai boost, which is oh, that if they're, they're beaten, beaten within, within their life, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, they, they recover quickly and their power grows somewhat exponentially as a result. And so, when I heard him say Zenkai, I was like, okay, that... Obviously, that means something in Japanese, and I didn't care about it until just now. But it just means in Japanese to open fully or full throttle. Um, and so he's pumping out the smoke screen real, real hard. And uh, he gets chastised again um, by the, I think it's the sixth user. Um, is it the fourth or the sixth? I can't remember. Um, but Nagant now realizes that he has multiple quirks. This is the moment when she's like, huh, uh, that'd have been nice to know. But he he starts getting chastised, asking if he had learned from anything before. Smokescreen's too dangerous because he's just going to get sniped as soon as he leaves the smoke. But Deku's like, well, I'm not going to run like out of the smoke. I just need to, I just need some time. Yeah, yeah. Then he like starts pumping his legs, so he's just doing like in place squats. And this is where the third wielder pops up, and he's like, yeah, bro, I wouldn't do that. You're really not ready for it yet. And he's he's almost like not even sympathetic with Midoriya at all. The way he says it is very just like, dude, like what what are you even trying to do here? Like you're just not ready for this. And, um, and like Midoriya is just going at it, and you can kind of start to see his legs like almost kind of power up. Yeah, they glow with like a red hue. Like a yeah, and then we we red aura. We kind of get a flashback of Endeavor even telling Midoriya like, "Hey, dude, you got to focus on one thing at a time, so that way you can really master it, and then start doing these multi-process or multi-threading uh, later." You know, and Deku is just like, "Look, guys, I don't have time. I don't have time to learn the quirk. We've got to get this done now. Like, she's our connection. We have to get this figured out. I've got to learn how to use these quirks right now." And uh, so Nagant, like we we switch over to her point of view, and she sees Deku, and she shoots and hits, and it's just a decoy. And she sees another few decoys. There's like four or five here. And then as she's killing them, the real Midoriya just comes slamming out of this building, like right from below her. And we effectively get his point of view, and he's explaining that he used smokescreen to set up the decoys to grab the time he needed in order to triangulate her position and then t- attack her from below without her realizing that that's what was happening. And all the while, he's been covered by the smoke and the building. And uh, he's got her, like, in an arm bar, basically. And he says, look, like, I'm going to make you tell me about One for All. And she pulls this awesome move where she, like, flips her arm backwards and just, like, headbutts, or not headbutts him, but, like, slams the rifle butt and into his head. And, uh... Yeah, she, she like, retracts the gun only to redeploy it as a sort of, like, piston into death. Yeah. Side to send him flying. It was a super. Dope it really move. was. Like you, you have to know she had to have trained for that move. That's not the first time she's been grabbed like that. You know, it was such a cool, such a cool moment there. And as he's like falling to the ground, you know, he's he's like falling kind of like back into this smoke area, and uh, he's just kind of questioning like, 
Like, what's going on? Why are you deciding to align with All for One? You know, you were at one point in time a hero. And she tells him that, you know, he is only seeing the justice that was made. And someone died in that color can't understand why she would choose All for One. The What he was saying when he was falling to was where the anime did such a good job with spoken yeah because it slowly started like combat. fading away the further he yeah got. they had the doppler effect as he was falling was so and, cool. and it become less and less yeah super good it was well done i was i was like damn this is like that's impressive because you don't usually get something like yeah that. i don't know if we said this too but the name of the he does speak the name of this uh quirk it's that he's Fa about Jin. to use called fajin yeah um, I looked this up. It's actually, um, you, you ever heard, or, or are you familiar at all with like the Bruce Lee's like one inch punch? Yeah. Yeah. So that's basically it. Fajin is like this term used in martial arts for like being able to discharge power explosively or like being very specific about or particular about the expulsion of power. And, and so like the one inch punch is an example of oh, this. That's cool. Um, and so that's where that name comes from. It's, it's like an actual term in, in Chinese martial arts. Um, it's like Jin is like power, I think is the word. I don't remember what Fa means, but, uh, it's that idea of like being very pinpoint precise with, uh, the, where you, where you emit that power and into what's like size space basically. So again, with the one inch punch, it's just like Bruce Lee is famous for being able to like be an inch away from somebody and like send them flying. Uh, yeah. And hit them from that inch away with a fist and such that they go like flipping over a chair behind them. So super cool. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's the, the tie, uh, there as well. But, uh, yeah, he, he goes flying down and, uh, the Doppler effect is in it in, in full effect. Uh, super good. I was very impressed and, and happy with, with the way that the, the sound was engineered there. And, and like you said, she starts kind of filling him in on this. You can only see justice that you can only see the justice that was made. Someone died in that color. Wouldn't understand grazes Deku with another round. And this, during a lot of this conversation, she's just kind of whittling Deku down with these grazes. Yeah. So she's like, I was tired. I killed so many in order to maintain this sham society. This goes back again. I know I've talked about it before, so I won't, uh, uh beat that dead horse here, but she's, she's basically like, like you like the status quo and I know what it took to, to maintain that and it sucked. So that's not what I want. Um, so she is very much against maintaining the status quo with, uh, when it comes to hero society. And she explains that like, there's a group plotting terrorism against heroes and w working with this vil organization, the hero team received money and fame. So they were basically generating work and popularity, yeah. um, by, by organizing villainy. And it says people who could possibly shake the foundation of society all disappeared along with their sins without being judged by the law. And it was all done by secret uh, order of the Hero Commission. There were once these self-defense group uh, vigilantes who were seen as heroes and earned public respect as heroes. And uh, this is where I, I complained that as she talks about these, she's got uh, like a bunch of silhouettes of vigilantes behind her. Not one of them could reasonably be a My Heroes Academia Vigilantes character. That was a missed opportunity. Yeah, I know. I was really hoping, like, when she started mentioning this, I was like, oh, man, we could get a cool callback here, and we didn't. Yeah, we got nothing. Um, but she says, the foundation of superhuman society is trust in heroes, and I was a cog in that. And so she's kind of treading over some of her experiences. She says, or she walks in on this group that explained that they haven't done anything yet. They were just planning to do it, and she's just blasting yeah, them. Just she's absolutely them. covered in blood. Yeah. And she says there's this public face to heroism and this secret face, and you need both. 
in order for them to be maintained, which is where I have in my notes um, X-Force. Yep. You know, there's in order for the public to have this trust in heroes, those heroes have to be immaculately squeaky clean, which means that if any aren't, you have to deal with them accordingly. Like you can't let the fact that um, that heroes are flawed humans as well, or in addition to uh, being these public facing squeaky clean personas, you can't let that be the reality because that doesn't breed trust. Yeah, I'm shocked that she um, never killed Endeavor. Well, uh, that may have been, it, they, I don't know. Maybe that material was kept under a much, much tighter, tighter lid. lid. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, I mean, you you're know? basically like describing the boys or any of these new kind of yeah. like, almost like anti-hero hero TV shows where the kind of new fad is to cast heroes in this really negative light and show them as being these flawed individuals, you know? Yeah. She, she remembers the scene where a bunch of kids run up to her public facing persona side and they want to like shake her hand or get an autograph. But as she extends a hand to them, she perceives it covered in blood. Yeah, gosh, this is and a so powerful she's... scene too, with all of the like, all of the 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 callbacks to people reaching out to others. You know, whether that be mm-hmm. the second and third saving the first in the last episode, or whether that be you know like Deku always talking about how he's going to save these individuals, and now here's Nagant like reaching her hand out to kids, and all she sees is a bloody hand, not someone who she feels like is able to save people like heroes are supposed to be. All she's capable of is killing. It's it's such a sad thing, man. Yeah, and Deku reaches out and grasps her bloody hand yes. at the end of this episode. Yeah. So like she retracts it thinking that there's something deceptive and inherently evil in what she's doing. Um, and yet still Midoriya knowing full well, all of that still reaches out and grasps the very hand that she had retracted earlier. Yeah. Um, so there's some really cool um, parallel imagery there. there. But and I love this scene. She continues. Too. Sorry, I don't mean to keep interrupting you, but I no, I love the scene of her like in the skyscraper, like thinking about the situation she finds herself in. That scene reminded me so much of Fight Club, like just her yeah. sitting in a chair overlooking the city in this huge skyscraper, just realizing that everything she's doing is a sham and she's tired of it. Yeah, and she goes and has this discussion with the then president of the heroes commission and he's like listen these these two are instigating she's talking about her next hits basically these two are instigating civilians and then framing them as criminals and then just collecting rewards for capturing them and he says these they're not going to be punished by society they will just disappear and she says well okay then what like if i kill them does society get better yeah isn't this just showing people the good parts uh isn't that the same as brainwashing and he's like uh, what's important is making sure that the public facing heroes maintain that hope um, in in civilian eyes. And again, she's like, and if after that's maintained, then what? Like she's really pressing him with honest, sincere and pressing important questions. And he's basically like, this isn't something that you get to say no to. And she just blasts. Him. Yeah, because um, he says something along the lines of like, well, what that means is that it must be time for you to resign. Like if you're asking these questions you're not fit for this job anymore. And and, yeah, and, th- and he says, this isn't a job that you can just walk away from. Like he, he's, he's insinuating that, I mean, she, he's threatening. Yeah, oh yeah, it's absolutely um, a threat. So she shoots first. And this is where I have my side note that like what Nagant pushed for and didn't get is precisely why the public is so stunned by so much of what they're so pissed off about right yeah. now. Because heroes maintained this squeaky clean and therefore farcical veneer. And if they had grown accustomed to heroes being human, 
being capable of flaw and and even villainy um, and, and evil of their own, then things might have turned out differently. There would have been room for legislation and licensing um, uh, alter alterations that where you have those who police the heroes yeah. without it being this this X Force situation where the public is aware that Endeavor's a dude and like yeah he does bad things and like every hero. Hawks's dad was a villain. Like, what again, we talk about why is that so significant? Why is that brought up in that particular thing? I think part of it is because he wasn't, that, that, that part of his story wasn't allowed to be public information precisely for the fact that it, it tarnishes him just a little bit, you know? And that's not what they were going for. And, and so in a society where when heroes screw up, they get brought into the public that their their errors get brought to the public eye and they get judge sentenced there's consequences then i think that you you certainly lessen the the catastrophic shock that the public's going through now we, what do you mean and all heroes aren't immaculately perfect individuals who never make critical errors in judgment ever you know um that that would have been addressed if nagant had uh, had gotten her way um, reform of how they handled flaws in heroism. The, the way that they were handling it was, Oh, we just make them disappear. Um, and, and we don't let the public know that they ever existed. And she was like, well, that doesn't fix anything. In fact, it creates this other evil that she's having to participate yeah. in and that she decides she doesn't want to do anymore. So her argument is like, yeah, this other way is harder but it will ultimately be better. And I wonder even, I wonder too if that particular system might have uh, also gone some, some measure of a way in the direction that even Stain would have appreciated some of the, some of the consequences that would have come from a, a reform of the hero system that Nagant was trying to push for. And I like, there's a part of me that is uh, um, not shocked or, or doesn't feel bad for Stain, but like, Imagine if the Hero Commission had been aware of Stain and his mission. They could have just, if they had caught him early enough, they probably could have manipulated that individual into being a Nagant or a Hawks, and he would have loved it. You know what I mean? Hmm. Like, I think that he's too far gone now, but if they had caught him early in his kind of like figuring out that like there's this this side of heroism that is dirty you know that that nagant is seeing and talking about and him wanting to eradicate it just by getting rid of all heroes i, I mean you, you have to ask yourself like his big thing with stain is that the only hero that deserved anything was all might because he was truly a hero right but do you think all might was privy to nagant like does he was all might aware of the 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 you know kind of like the X Force side, side of, of stuff, heroism. yeah, because he he would have to be right, and that almost implicates him in the whole thing, like the whole sham, because he is creating that false hope and and allowing it to exist. He's like the literally the symbol of it, you know. Yeah, I I hadn't thought about what he may or may not have been aware of. To be honest, I, I think that the Public Safety Commission could absolutely have kept a lot of this from being knowledge even amongst top ranked heroes um i just don't know if if all might was or wasn't on the the in the no side of that that's an interesting yeah. question I hadn't thought yeah about. for sure 
Well, we we get again the the explanation that the media said that she shot and killed other heroes, which isn't it's not technically a lie. She did do that a lot, um, but that's not <laughs> what she eventually ended up getting busted right. for. So she explains that the com- the commission even protected the sham then, like when she tried to expose it, they and killed one of their own. They protected it even then. So she, she's like, they're not going to show the rebellion, the real reason behind that quarrel, the real reason why I killed who I killed. The superhuman society that everyone fantasized about and admired is this thin and fragile pretense. And what will happen if you get that back? It'll just happen again. So being shown only the sparkling stars, she says, while the truth gnaws at someone else is a future. A future with all for one in control still makes more sense than that first one is what she's arguing. Yeah. Um, Deku's able to break through her her presentation of her perspective eventually. Um, but we, we do get her side laid out here. Yeah. And Deku kind of explains that like, after hearing all this, he's starting to understand that the world really isn't black and white, that it's really mainly just a bunch of gray areas. And that's why it's more important now than ever that he's doing what he's doing and that he reaches his hand out to help instead of like just killing the heroes or, or killing the villains. Like, People need to fix this by helping each other instead of just trying to kill each other, basically. And she says that, of course, he would say that because he's just a result of a sham education. Like he's been given these false hopes that he can just make everything better. And that's not how the world works. And I mean, he is doing a really good job at this point of avoiding her bullets, like much better than he was doing earlier. And I'm there's part of me that wonders if it's because he's got her distracted and that he was doing that on purpose. Like, I know she's a pro, but it has been a long time since she's been in the field. And how much of this is keeping her kind of from being fully focused just by being engaged in a conversation with her, you know, getting her backstory, like trying to feel for what he can use at an emotional advantage, because we know that sort of his new tactic is like, if I can understand why these villains are being villainous, maybe I can actually help them and help them recover. You know, it's not just like, hey, we just need to decapacitate these villains and lock them away. We have to understand what made them tick and help them reverse engineer that. And so he's getting closer and closer to actually being able to get up close to her. And right as he does, she just changes targets and is like, okay, well, if you're going to take me on and you're not going to back down, then I'll just kill Chisaki because I know someone like you that's been raised to have this hero training, the worst thing that can happen is someone else gets hurt or is killed because of your mistakes. And there's this flashback to her talking to Jisaki in the mall when they're like picking out clothes or something. And he's he's going on and on and on about Deku having this like serious case of hero syndrome. And Nagant actually kind of finds all this interesting. She's like, wow, so you're not just some random dude that I stumbled across. Like you're destined to be involved in this situation because you've dealt with this kid before. And, you know, she tells him, like, I'm literally bringing you along to confirm the target. That's all I need you for. Yeah, and her her indication of a, a belief in fate here is interesting too, because if she's consistent with that, then she believes that she's fated to have this interaction with Midoriya, uh, and that the 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 results of this conversation as they play out are also fated, yeah. including possibly even her death. Um, so uh, you know, if you if you hold on to fate. As as it appears that she does, um, it it colors the background of a lot of what goes on. But uh, yeah, Chisaki chooses this really weird time to shout at Nagant from like a really long way away. <laughs> but about like her needing to fulfill her side of the bar, like in the middle of fighting, he's like waving his 
shoulders around, basically being like, hey, you said you'd take me to go see Well, pops. I assumed he realized he was being pointed at. He's like, wait, you're going to kill me? Like, you promised you would take me to go see my yeah. pops. <laughs> well, she had stashed him in a in a closet and basically, basically just like chill out in here. Like, he was in cover, but now he's not yeah. anymore. This whole scene, I know this is totally off topic, but do you remember back in the like late 90s, early 2000s, there was a serial named Pops, and all of the commercials were just like, gotta have my Pops. I, all I can yeah. think of is a Chisaki commercial. <laughs> like, gotta have my pops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, at the risk of jamming her gun, she's going to increase the speed of her bullets, and she does so by turning her arm into this giant, I call it an Akira-style yeah. gun, like this just grotesque, it kind of looks like an all-for-one big, big meaty fist gun, too, like from, um, uh, from the Kamino incident. But uh, she says, she, she mentions, like you said, that the thing that heroes get uh, like hate the most and what they train the most against is like letting somebody else die or become injured because of their mistake. Like they, they can't live with that. So she says, if you have to, if you have more to think about like the preservation of Chisaki and not just yourself, it'll slow you down. And then that's when I'll take advantage of you. So she fires this high speed bullet at Chisaki and then immediately pivots to shoot at Deku, but he just isn't there. And so we get the explanation of Fajin, which is repeating a movement, stores kinetic energy until he chooses to release it. And while he was doing all that dodging, he was bending and stretching out his legs. So he uses the Fajin plus one for all at 45%, plus centrifugal force um, given to him by his utilization of Black Whip to create a state that he calls foe 100%. and he just says, everyone in my generation knows the sight of All Might rushing over faster than a speeding bullet. And so now he actually is. Like, he's so fast that um, Nagan is like, while I'm aiming the muzzle to shoot, he's already changed directions. And so he beats the bullet to Chisaki, even though it had a head start. Um, and I love this. Like, he just looks at Chisaki at one point. And he's just like, I'll talk to you yeah. later. Like, that feels so, <laughs> it was like... so nonchalant. Like, I'll, I'll deal with yeah. you later, kid. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Daddy's got other things to take care <laughs> yeah. of first, but he he black whips out, uh, uses black whip uh, to make a slingshot, uh, and again he uses all sorts of things to uh, shoot himself back at Nagant really quickly using this faux one hundred percent. He Manchester smashes her, and it's an amazing it's visual so cool. in the anime yeah. when he's flying through the air, uh, manages to bust up her her gun barrel. And this is where she becomes really introspective because she's like, without hesitation, once I recognize someone as the enemy, then what happens next is a matter of course. Like, if I am told that they're my enemy or my target, then I kill them. Like, that's the that's the process. Um, but she says, when did lip service start making me feel like throwing up? And, and she's falling down. I don't know if it's maybe she do you think that she purposely like turned Airwalk off here? where she couldn't have arrested her fall on her own. Like she's kind of like, well, this is just the way things go again, maybe leaning in towards the face. I stuff. assume that the shock of having her gun broken caused that quirk to like, like falter for a second. Cause uh, presumably she's never been injured like this before. So it would have to be a huge shock and then a massive amount of force. I mean, if that airwalk quirk works the way that you're describing and kind of the way it's been shown where she's like on these invisible platforms, she may have just been knocked off and not have had time to recover or know how to create another platform under her. in such short amount of time. Like, who knows if she's been able to figure out how to use that quirk to its fullest abilities, you know? And who who does she see in this instance? Does she go to a gunsmith? Or just like to a regular hospital? Or does she does go this s- thing heal up? Yeah, like I was bone? gonna say, does she go see uh uh nurse kissy face, whatever her name is? 
Uh, you never, never remember, remember her name. name. Recovery, recovery girl. girl. Because when I okay, listen, the reason I never remember her name is because when I think recovery girl, I think girl, not ninety year old lady. So like I cannot, <laughs> right. my my brain will not map that name to the the picture that I see. I cannot help it. <laughs> She's been doing this for a long time since it she needs was to a girl, be recovery so. nurse or recovery woman or recovery grandma. <laughs> like if that was the name, I would know it. I swear. <laughs> Well, yeah, her hero name didn't age no. well, but it would probably be a hassle and a lot of like paperwork for her to keep like every twenty years having to go in and be like, yeah. "Well, I'm no, I'm not a girl anymore. I guess I'm recovery woman now, and well, I'm not a, I'm not a young lady anymore. I guess I'm recovery granny recovery now. Lady. You know, whatever. I'm sure something. That yeah, too, yeah, too, too much. much. I get it. Just, too just go by recovery. But uh, Midoriya points out that the trajectory of the bullet that was shot at Chisaki was just was off. Like it wasn't going to be fatal. And he says, and if you really were on all for one side, then your first shot at me, instead of taking out my phone, would have just incapacitated me. You would have shot me in the lower back, and I would have been maybe paralyzed, and that would have just ended things. But since you know what darkness there is, you also know what needs to be brought into the light. So he's like, you're uniquely positioned to help us fix this. So fight with us. You still have the heart of a hero. And this is where we see him grasping that bloody arm that she had retracted from the kids earlier that she saw as the reason for her to keep her distance and for for her to be um, kind of villainized and ostracized. Yeah, absolutely. Midoriya's got a hold of it. Um, and so he says, it's not just black and white. Most of the world is gray. We're, we're kind of getting a, a, a repeat of that from earlier. And she thinks she's in the black or the white, but Midoriya knows better. Um, and so he's got a hold of her bloody hand. I love that. And her face begins to start uh, sprouting these cracks as she begins to tell him that uh, in the manga, it goes so far as to say, you're the real deal. I think that the anime stops at you're real. Um, but we learned that offer one basically booby trapped um, Nagant herself. When he gave her airwalk, he also implanted this like self-destruct contract breaching thing. Yeah. yeah. He's like, the heart is a fickle thing. That's why I made preparations in case there was a breach of contract. And so she just detonates, <laughs> like explodes yeah. violently. Yeah, it was uh it was pretty rough. It was very uh um uh what's his name? Chaozu. Yeah, and and he's man, his words are so all for one pointed I, here. Like, I love how much all for one we're getting lately. He is so menacing and just him sitting in his chair kind of like with that deep kind of almost like boisterous voice, just being like, ah, lady, my God, there's something about him that is just so <laughs> menacing. He's just so carefree. If that makes and sense. He says, he says about her, oh, he's gosh. like, you were just used by others until the very yeah. end, including by himself. Yeah. And I was and like, then he says, she's just like, you're just, yeah, a tool. he's like, how pathetic and sad lady Nagant. It's, ah, I mean, it's, it's brutal, man. So brutal. Yeah. Deku can't reach her in time because he's spent up all of his Fajin charges between his two legs. So hops, hops swoops in, but I think he probably got thrown by Endeavor. Yeah, I assumed he either got thrown by Endeavor or jumped off a building because as soon as he grabs uh, Nagant, he starts pretty much falling and Endeavor is right there and Endeavor's like, hey, sorry, I'm a little behind. I'm not good in the rain. And Hawks is like, bro, I'm dying. I, my wings, like, I can't, yeah. <laughs> I can't do this. And so... In the manga, there's this, like, this pathetic uh, panel where his tiny wings are flopping <laughs> F-W-U-P awesome. and his eyes are massive and he's just like, he's like uh, oh crap. Yeah. Guys, yeah. 
uh, Endeavor even apologizes because he doesn't do good in rain. I thought that was funny. a good uh, touch too. But Deku uses Black Whip, um, but he's he he attaches to them, but he's too weak. He can't pull them back. Yeah, up. he's way too fatigued. I mean, like between all of the bullet wounds and on top of that, he's been using all of the quirks pretty much in succession or with each other at the same time, which we didn't comment on it, but earlier the third, I think it's the third, he was super impressed. Like, holy cow, this kid, how can he do this? Like using all of these quirks the way he did. And not only that, but having not used mine and doing it in the moment and cueing them the way he did. Like he's just super impressed by Midoriya. It was a pretty cool, cool little moment there. But as they're falling, Hawks is is holding Nagant and he's trying to explain, like, look, you cannot die. Like, you cannot let this happen to yourself. I'm your replacement. Like, I know exactly what you've been through. And and he says, like, I, I understand what what you know you has happened to you, but you cannot throw it all away. He's like, connect your hopes to the future. Don't just let it end with you being used. Tell me what you know. He said, You're the hero lady Nagant, aren't you? And she hears him like it's kind of this uh, like almost aftershock world where everything's dark. She sees this this kind of bright light and she's hearing Hawks and she's kind of realizing like, wow, if you're my successor, that means you had to have done a lot of really terrible things, too. And and, you know, she she opens his she opens her eyes and she sees Hawks. And she's like, how can you have such sparkling eyes in the middle of all this chaos? And and how can you not see what's about to happen? How can you all have hope? She's just so shocked that these people are still fighting for this thing that she considers a massive sham. And she says two months and two months at a mansion in the Hybori woods, I was supposed to take my target there. And along with me, others have been told this too. And we, they all kind of land safely. Like I guess Midoriya was able to just levitate them enough. So that way Hawks could land with her and he could kind of like trip his way off. Um, yeah, in the in the manga, Deku literally like the automatopoeia for him hitting the ground is slow. Oh wow! It, but Hawks manages to do that like definitely all the weight is forward, so he like, like runs runs forward. forward. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, man, and I mean it's 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 rough. Uh, you know, Hawks is there holding Lady Nagant. She's very clearly on death's door, basically, and uh, you know she's trying to fill in as much information as she can, but she's heavily injured and. He, she actually asks Hawks, like, how how could you have survived all of this? How could you be the way you are, Mr. Replacement, I think is what she calls him. Yeah, and like uh, how can you still be standing there and still be okay? And he says it's because there was someone there to support him, and he's thinking of that Endeavor doll. And then he just smiles and is like, oh, I'm an optimistic guy. <laughs> and then Endeavor flies up behind them and is just like, hey, Midoriya, so uh, just making sure, Jasaki's the only one out there, right? And I, I was kind of mad about that because I'm like, dude, you're the number one hero. How could you not have done a little bit of reconnaissance before you jumped to the ground, like wide open? I don't know. It just felt kind of <laughs> silly for him to, to have even done that. I, I would be more upset with Best Genus if I was anybody on this scene. Where the hell is he during all this? Oh, that's true. I have no idea. Yeah. He could have arrested their fall easily enough. We've seen him do it a ton of and times. And he had Where to have been he? with He's them not in because the they were in the car together. So did, did Endeavor yeah. and Hawks decide to leave the car? There's no way that makes sense. Neither of them could fly. Yeah, but Best Genus is not in this scene at, like, full stop at all. Is He's he, gone. And so <laughs> does the next episode pick up with this stuff? Is he there? Uh, I don't remember. I don't think that's so, so weird. I, I didn't I even remember. think about that until you just pointed it out. But you're right. Best genus is nowhere to be found. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> I do like the way that this ends too, because Chisaki is still upset that he, that Nagant has. Ba- he feels like Nagant now can't deliver on her promise to go let him see yeah. Pops. 
and which is again, it's just terrible timing. But there's a Deku's face here oh, is telling, isn't it? it brutal. Really is. I mean, he looks tired, and anyway, he he looks at Chisaki, and he's struggling with the fact that Chisaki wants to apologize to his pops, but not to Airy. And like to be to be fair, this is a very like Japan is very um like honor heavy society especially inside of the family so him wanting to apologize to his pops for not executing on presumably their plan like it does make some Uh, sense but midoriya wants to redirect that passion and so he's like do you remember what you did to airy and you could tell that like at first it's almost like it takes him it starts coming back to him like that hasn't been on his mind at all yeah because he's just kind of um, like airy like oh oh yeah airy i could just get her to rewind the old man like immediately he just the first thing he thinks yeah. of is using her again yep that's what i have in my notes immediately starts talks of using her again but midoriya just with that dead face is like if you're able to turn those apologetic feelings towards airy then i'll do what nagant promised and i, I yeah. liked that exchange I thought that was pretty cool um Deku imagines holding Nagant and her hand fades from his and he has these like crazy eyes like oh man the end of this episode is so good uh, because they're calling for ambulances also for Midoriya and he's just like he just says all for one very menacingly and underneath his breath and that's how 134 ends like it's a man just powerful we don't know the status of Nagant All Might doesn't arrive on the scene before the end so we know All Might's there yeah, all my does show Man, up. And but I gotta again, say, like, no I'm assuming too that that with a hospital crew or an ambulance crew showing up on the scene here, news crew could potentially show up, or something's gonna happen to where the fact that they're working with uh, 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 Midoriya is gonna get out. Like the fact that they set that up in the last episode where they had the one, uh, you know, civilian be like, "Oh, we heard you're working with someone else and not telling us everything," and then they've got this happening where Midoriya now needs medical attention. No way this doesn't get out somehow. Like Midoriya's not gonna, he's not going in. Like. His current MO is to be a yeah. ghost. Um, so they might they might be saying Midori is badly hurt that he needs help too. He's just gonna be like, no, nah, dog, that ain't that ain't right. for me. Like he's not gonna yeah. accept it. Yeah. Um, but he I I do think that he really wants Nagant to be to get seen to, not just for not ju- it, it can be read that he wants her to be well because he might she might have some intel that they've been desperate for. That's why he engaged with yeah, her in the first place. Yeah, but that's not Midoriya. Place. Um, but I think there's more to Absolutely. it than that. That's not Midoriya. He doesn't use people like that. That's kind of his gist, right? So, like, he wants her to yeah. be okay because he wants literally Shigaraki to be okay. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> I should mention too this this um, these two episodes cover chapters 310 through page 11 of 316. Okay. Um, so if you read beyond that, you're getting into you know 135 territory. Um, but yeah, this is this is where these two episodes ends. I will say, I think I mentioned in my last episode that one of these two is one of my new favorites. It is 134. I think 134 is a friggin' fantastic episode from start to finish. There's no, there's no. I don't think there's anything that I would change. It's so well done and executed, and Nagant's backstory is good. It parallels with Hawks's in some meaningful ways. Um, it's it's excellent. It's top five. My hero actually. I don't know that I would put it in my top five. Top ten, maybe. It was really good. I really like Nagant. I did not expect to like Nagant that much. Like 
I know you've talked about her a little bit, and then you know she shows up on the scene in the last episode and a little bit beforehand, and I was like, oh, okay, cool, she looks cool, whatever. But then, like, I don't know, something about these episodes, I think really highly of her. She's a cool character that I wish we got more of. She's so, like, you're right, like, her backstory is interesting. I could see, like, literally an entire series just following her previous adventures. Um, it would be really interesting, like a grittier series, you know? Um, I, I think she's a cool character. I hope we get more of her. I hope she's not dead. Yeah, I hope she's not dead either, especially because it seems as if Deku tried really hard to recruit her. So I would hate for that not to come to fruition at yeah. some point to see her playing for the for the good guys again. And I think that it gives her an opportunity to 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 craft her own redemption in some ways, um, to participate in her own redemption. Um, so I'm I'm hoping that that's the case. I have no idea. This is. All the things that I knew about her have already come and passed. I knew that she existed and that she had a gun in her arm. That's it. Well, I'm excited to see what happens in the next few episodes. We've only got, what, four episodes less than the season? I think so. So two more episodes of the A&P and we'll be through season six yes, again. which we're playing. I was going to say, yeah, no, we're a little behind. Uh, but we've had a lot of craziness happen in life the last couple of weeks. So we will. Yeah, we're just going to keep our bi-weekly schedule. Yes, it'll be fine. It'll be okay. And, uh, if anything, you'll just have a little bit of extra My Hero to look forward to after the last episode. And then I'm sure we'll end up cover covering the third movie. And we got more stuff coming down the line. We have a lot of cool things. I even sent Adkins a new anime coming out in Discord the other day that I've requested that we just switch right on over to and so we'll have to see if he agrees uh no. <laughs> if you're if you're curious ask me in the discord and i will share the trailer i'm i actually legit am interested in this one i will probably watch it no matter what so did you see that the third team up mission is available yeah, in english now i don't so, know i'll leave that one for you and mark how's that sound <laughs> <laughs> you don't want anything to do with it i'll read it they were definitely not my favorites okay i mean we, i mean mark and nah. i can do it Without you, if you don't want no, to be a part no. of it. We'll, we'll read them. We'll review them. It'll be fun. Yeah, that's future content for sure. Um, I will say, too, that uh, I know I've mentioned this in the Discord. I don't know that I've said anything on Twitter about it, but we do have a little bit of a giveaway uh, coming up soon. I don't know what the timeline on it is going to be. I assume that, like, why don't we, uh, once I get these things in why hand. Why don't we announce the uh, winners, regardless if you have them or not, as the uh, season finale? Okay, so two episodes, months a month's time. time. Okay, so that, that works for me. So here's here's what you're able to win. Uh, I ordered some custom AMP Dragon Shield card sleeves. They fit all like TCG-styled products. Um, there's, I think, 100 of them with our logo on the back. And we're just giving them away for, for fun. We're not going to get anything out of this. Um, we just enjoy giving things to you guys sometimes uh, because it brings us joy. And if you're a part of the Discord, you know that because I'm constantly giving away like cards and <laughs> yeah. stuff for fun. But uh, to, to get an entry, and you can only have one um, entry into this contest, all you have to do is shoot the Almighty Podcast um, Twitter ADM and just mention the card sleeves if if the, if all you do is write dragon shield or card sleeves fine if you want to engage in greater conversation or ask us questions that we can use in future episodes that would be dope too um so you can shoot us a dm on twitter or you can shoot me adkins a dm on discord the same way so you're you're going to be either dming me personally on the or through discord or shooting a dm to the twitter uh, if you go and you do that in both places, still only one entry because we want to kind of level the playing field for folks in both of those spaces. And we'll announce uh, the winner of those cards and get in touch with you 
in whichever space that you reached out to us to get shipping details and all that stuff uh, in two episodes times, it sounds like. So again, Dragon Shield, custom A&P card sleeves. I think that they're cool. I kind of want them, but I'm going to give them to y'all because it's fun. So there you go. Go and try and win yourself some uh, card sleeves, some card protectors. Yeah, but apart from that, I think we're through with uh, episode 126, and we will reconvene in two weeks' time uh, to cover episodes 135 and 136, both of which I've already seen, so I'm, I've tried to not play to that future knowledge. Um, I did want to try to keep up with some of the uh, conversations happening in the Discord, but um, those are that's what, those are the two episodes we're going to cover in the next episode of the AMP in two weeks. weeks time. So you guys be sure we'll to see tune y'all in. two weeks. Have a good one, everybody. See you guys. I'm recording. Uh, I can't clap, but I can snap. Is that fine? (laughs) (laughs) As long as you're leaving this in. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I guess I'll throw it at the end now. (laughs) I didn't even think about that until just this second. Do you want me to count us down? Yeah, yeah. You count us down and clap. (laughs) I'll snap. I should still get a jump, and then I'll still introduce myself first. We'll we'll figure it out. We we, we solved this problem rather quickly. (laughs) Three, two, one.